Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergera.com. <laughs> Fantastic, yes, Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Can you guys just give it up in honor of Takeover Worship for leading us in such an incredible depths today? Oh, man. I love Jesus, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I exist to serve Jesus, serve Jesus alone, amen. Is there anybody in the room who exists to serve Jesus alone? Come on, man, I, uh, I'm really trying to keep my eyes on Jesus this morning. I wanna keep my eyes on Jesus. I wanna stay above disappointment. I wanna stay above letdown. I wanna stay above emotional override. I wanna stay above the things that are happening in this world right now. I wanna stay above all of this and just keep my eyes fixed on the one who's worthy. He's worthy. The rest of this world isn't worthy of your emotions. It isn't worthy of your anxiety revving. It isn't worthy of you freaking out and wondering how you're going to make it. No, no, no. Jesus is worthy of all of your affection, all of your attention, all of your offering, all of your sacrifice, all of your praise. Amen. Amen. So can we praise him one more time, please? Come on. He's worthy. We have one that was found worthy. I love Jesus. Yeah, praise God, you little baby. I don't know who's screaming back there, but they, they praise God. Oh, man. Well, yes, it's so good to see you. My name is Pastor Matt. Well, my name is Matt. I'm a pastor. Uh, if you haven't met me yet, my beautiful wife, Adrienne, we lead this uh, beautiful Green Beret Battalion of Holy Spirit heavyweights, and uh, it's good to have you with us this morning if you're new. Oh, man, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And right now, we are in a season that's all about Jesus. Amen. Because for whatever reason, God has given us this prophetic word for our church in this hour that is, I truly believe, it is the runway for this to be a word in our region. And it is coming out of Luke 12, 49. Jesus' chief concern has been to set fire upon the earth. That he has a baptism. He longs to baptize his bride in of fire. And he has come with one simple thing in mind to build for himself a burning people, a burning body, and a burning bride to return for. Amen? Do I have any burning people in the room? Do I have a burning body in the room? Do I have a burning bride in the room? Then you know where we're going. We have been in a season right now where the Lord just laid it out for me. He was like, Matt, you want to see a burning bride? I said, more than anything, Lord. He said, preach the last lessons of Jesus that caused the early bride, the early church, the early body of believers to burn for him even unto death. I said, Lord, I want to see that more than anything. He said, preach the last lessons of Jesus. So we've been coming out of the book of Revelation for a good long while now. And uh, man, it's been crazy. Amen. Well, this morning is no different. We are going to get after it. So the title of my sermon this morning is the testimony of fire. The testimony of fire. The testimony of fire. If you got your Bibles, open up to Revelation 12. If you don't, it'll be on the Sky Bible, but we have loads of free ESV Bibles all around this church. It's blue. You can take that. You don't have to steal it. It's yours. It's on the house. Sermon is the testimony of fire coming out of Revelations 12, 1 through 17. If you're there, say I'm there. Fantastic. All right. 
And uh, man, I am so grateful for, we've got Kenny and Phil and Kelsey holding it down in the booth for us today. Can we just thank God for them? Come on. Putting out fires that we don't even know are happening. So grateful for them. All right, Revelation 12, here we go. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains, in agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail... <clears throat> swept down a third of the stars of the heavens and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up into, up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness. And there she was, a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now war arose in the heavens, and Michael and his angels fighting against this dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Somebody praise God. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice. Somebody rejoice in this place. Rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in a great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Somebody say, time's up. His time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to earth, it's hilarious that he didn't know. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, but the woman who has given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time, times and times and a half. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth and the woman to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman, went off to make war on the rest of her offspring and on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sands of the sea. So let's pray. And let's get after it. Amen. Well, Father, Father God, we love you. Father God, we love you. God, I feel so burdened this morning that we just need some deep revelation in your church, God. Not just in this house, God, but in every single house that is submitted to the authority of Scripture, that is submitted to the authority of the Spirit. Lord, I'm telling you, God, my heart breaks this morning because, Father, it's easy to pray, God our Father, but so many of us, so many of us live lives without a revelation of God the Father. Even more of us live without a revelation of God the Spirit. 
And we have a very limited revelation of Jesus. So, Father, I pray this morning, God, that you would take us to the depths. That today, Lord, we would experience a gator roll from heaven, God, that just takes us down, spins us around, and brings us out to the depths. God, I hear you this morning saying, I'm deep, and I'm calling out to the deep. I am calling out to the deep to come out deeper. There are greater waters ahead that are the depths of God that you can learn and experience deep riches of his glory. More intimacy is available. More hearing is available. More seeing is available today. I hear the Holy Spirit. He is speaking to the church, those in this room and those who have elected to not be in this room that today the Holy Spirit is saying, you're going to start overcoming but you will only overcome when I start shaking things loose in your life. I hear the Holy Spirit saying there are dry bones in this room that are going to rattle back to life today. Do you receive it? I hear the Holy Spirit saying there are chains, old chains that are going to be broken off today when he starts loosing them in Jesus' name. Do you receive it? And I hear today he is saying, he is saying, he is saying, he is saying. That he is releasing people, releasing their prayer life to move in a greater, fervent, tangible manner today. When he starts shaking the serpent of sin that has bitten your hand off your life. Jesus, take me by the hand. Help me preach your word. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. I love you. I love you, God. And all God's people said, amen. The testimony of fire, the testimony of fire. And you know what, like threes, the testimony of fire, amen? And yes, I called it a sermon because I'm just, I really don't care if people outside these walls that come into our walls understand our language or not. I'm off that. I'm rebuking the phrase Christianese, and I'm breaking up with it. The church has a language like every other nation and every other kingdom, and we will not be ashamed that we speak different and we look different and we talk different and we pray different and we act different and we live different, amen? We will depend upon the revelation of the Spirit of God to be alive in this house, to illuminate the outsiders and bring them into a rebirth of insiders, amen? I'm over it. I'm over it. We will, not, we will not lower the waterbed of what the Lord is attempting to do in the earth in fear of outsiders not understanding us. We will trust the Spirit of God. Do I have anybody who will trust the Spirit of God? Yes. Testimony of fire. You see, I love that we've been in the book of Revelation because I'm going to be honest. Last week, if you don't know, <laughs> I did not have the hierarchy of the angelic realm on my bingo card for 2023. I didn't see that coming. Somehow, that's where we arrived. But I got to tell you, even as difficult as that may be to wrap your head around, even as difficult as revelation is for some of us to understand, I am telling you, man, as a church, 
we have received such a great revelation of who Jesus is, who Jesus truly is, that he has wrecked shop in so many of our lives. I know because we speak and we talk and he has come through and he has uprooted some false revelations that we have long held to simply by just believing Jesus is who Jesus says he is. We have taken on his self-described and self-prescribed revelation of who he is and suddenly we we have seen God illuminate the impossible in our lives. Amen? It's who he is. It's been incredible to see, and I know it's because it's been happening in me as well. And I got to tell you, I never want to go back. I don't want to go back to who I saw Jesus used to be before we went on this journey together as a church. I don't want to go back to some handcuffed, hippied, impotent, weak-wristed Jesus that the world longs to portray him as. No, we have a lion of the tribe of Judah. We have the lamb that was slain. We have a king who's returning with a sword. He will pull from his mouth with a robe dripped in blood. Lord of lords and king of kings, we have a mighty God. Amen? I'm so grateful for the mighty Jesus. So grateful. See, you and I, we've, we've begun to come into alignment, into agreement with Jesus' own self-revelation of who he is. And that's a God that is easy for me to run to. And that is a God who strikes the deepest fear, reverence, awe and romance into my life how could I not live for him how could I not live unto him how could I not give him every ounce of me it's amazing because that's been the through line through this entire morning the Spirit of God is alive and work at this place this morning, and He's trying to get across to you and me. There ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. He is better than you think He is. He's doing more than you know He is. He is greater than you've ever given Him praise for. And friends, He is returning. Amen? And I want to be found in that number. I want to be found in that bride. I want to be found worthy of the generation that Jesus will return in. Amen? And so I love the book of Revelation. I think this has been fun. <laughs> I think this has been fun. I have never been more scared to preach messages in my life. I've never walked with more fear of God. And I've preached on everything. Granted, come on, man. It is June, all right? You know what June is in America? Debauchery. <laughs> it's debauchery. It's a month literally celebrating pride which God resists, by the way. He says, I resist the proud, but I give grace to the humble. And it's a whole entire month where every carnal pleasure in our world is put on full display, but not only is it displayed, it is celebrated. And if you don't celebrate it, you will be chastised. And when you are chastised, you are casted out. And now the world has a religion where the Christian is treated as a leper simply because we believe the truth. And you know what will give you confidence to believe that's true? Jesus' self-described and Jesus' self-prescribed revelation of himself. I love, I love that we are getting on the same page with Jesus because it gives you a boldness to walk humbly with your Lord, to freely give out mercy as well as pray and contend 
for the Holy Spirit to move in a greater measure in the people in our lives. Amen. So I love the book of Revelation. You see, the book of Revelation isn't simply for more information. The book of Revelation is for a holy revelation. It's called the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of the end times. It is a revelation of the living Christ, and it is a revelation of the king of time. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? It's who he is. It's what it's about. And when we begin to marry our lives to Jesus' self-revelation of himself, we go from simply having an informed life to a formed life, simply fresh information, then we have concrete, blood-dripped, blood-given, blood-bought, revelation of Jesus and that's something you can bank your life on preaching to anybody this morning you see I love the book of Revelation and the book of Revelation was never intended to be read or studied or examined outside of the same lens that John was given it to or given it by you see John John knew what we need to get on the same page about and what I believe we are beginning to is that John loved Jesus the same way Jesus loved Jesus. John trusted Jesus the way, same way Jesus trusts Jesus. You see here, friends, if we do not share in the same revelation that Jesus has of himself the way John did, we will not be entrusted with the same revelation of Jesus that John was entrusted with. And I'm telling you, when we, do not, when we do not hold to the same revelation of Jesus that Jesus holds to himself, friends, you and I, we will live lives having been crowned a son, but living lives as a slave to sin. The reason some of us simply cannot kick our sin isn't because sin is so great. It's because you have yet to see that Jesus is greater. You have yet to see that Jesus is truly greater. When you get this revelation on the inside of you of just who in the heavens Jesus truly is, dying becomes easy. Dying becomes easy. Did you know that never did Jesus ever get up and go, you need to die to your sin? No, he said, kill your sin, die to yourself and live for me. We live attempting to kill our sin because we think sin is so great. Sin isn't the greatest problem facing you. Your inability to continually die is your greatest problem facing you. You're called to kill your sin. You put that in a sarcophagus and you hang that on a cross and you give that to Jesus and leave it buried in his grave. And then you live I said you live, somebody say live. live. Then you live a life continually dying to yourself so that Jesus can live through you. That's the whole point of the book of Revelation. The whole point of the entire book of Revelation is that it takes Jesus to see Jesus. It takes Jesus to bask upon Jesus. It takes Jesus to live unto Jesus. You need Jesus, amen? So I love the book of Revelation because it takes me and it points me back to what the greatest need actually is that I have. The greatest need that I have is not to huh, conquer my sin. My greatest need is to continually look upon Jesus. 
When you are found in Jesus, it's easy to put your sin to death. The difficult part comes by remaining on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy, consecrated, and set apart for one, and his name is Jesus. And so I love the book of Revelation because it really gives us a framework for the Christian life, amen? It tells us about Jesus as he sees himself. It tells us about what he likes and what he doesn't like. It tells us what moves him. We love to sing the song, tell us what moves you. He does. It's faithfulness. It's worship. It's prayer. It is contending for the things of God against all of hell, sin, death, and the grave. Amen. I love the book of Revelation, but here's the deal. We have reached a point in our study of the book of Revelation where the Antichrist comes on the scene. This is a problem. The Antichrist isn't the problem, though. The problem when we come up against the Antichrist in Scripture, the problem when we come against the Antichrist spirit in the world, the problem when the Antichrist comes on the scene in a service, in a podcast, in all of these things, is that unfortunately, more Christians today have gone to the book of Revelation to get a greater revelation of the Antichrist than the living Christ. The problem today is that the Antichrist piques our interest more than the living Christ. The problem today is that we live in a time and place where more sermons have been preached, more podcasts have been recorded, more classes have been formed around a revelation of whom the Antichrist is when it comes to the book of Revelation than whom our living Christ is what our living Christ intends to do. And I am proud to say that I will give my life for the rest of it. I am 32. I will give the rest of my life to make sure that when my hair stand up on the back of my neck, it is because I am walking in the presence of the living Christ. That my greatest infatuation and fixation isn't found in the soon-to-be-dead devil, but is always found in the ruling and reigning eternal, forevermore loving Lord Jesus. Amen? But that's the world we have found ourselves in where we are more entertained by the Antichrist than we are in love with the living Christ. And that is concerning. Do you not see how that's concerning? Do you see it, church? Suddenly we go to this book where it's all about the living Christ, where it's self-authored. He gave John, the beloved, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the disciple who lived with his head on the chest of Jesus. He gives him his self-authored revelation of himself. And somehow we've made this book about everything else but him. Who are the nations? Who's the woman around the hills? Who's the dragon? Who's this? Who's that? Who's the Antichrist? What is the, what is the 666 mark of the beast? What are these things? And suddenly, you take one YouTube dive into the book of Revelation, and you are hit with everything but the revelation of Christ himself. We will not be that church. We will not be that people. We will talk about the devil and we will talk about the Antichrist as much as it serves the purpose to point us back to the living Christ. As much as it serves the purpose to tell you just who you are because of whose you are. Amen? I appreciate anybody this morning.
The book of Revelation is not a book about the Antichrist. The book of Revelation is a book about the living Christ. If you want to be captivated, be captivated by the one who will never die. If you want to be entertained, be entertained like the angels are worshiping at his feet in perfection, in perpetuity for eternity. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? I am telling you, the book of Revelation is not just a source of entertainment. It is not just a place that we go for our imagination to run wild or to look at these crazy vision that John is seeing. It is a place where we go to get into the nitty gritty and seek after the true revelation of whom Jesus is. I gotta tell you, there's a sickness in the earth today and it's a sickness that's in the bride and I'm troubled by it. But I believe the reason we are more enthralled with the Antichrist than we are in love with the living Christ is because of this simple sickness that needs to be eradicated in the church today. Can I tell you what it is? It is the phrase, Jesus is my Savior. For two generations now, we have coddled, we have nursed, we have babied, and we have swaddled a baby, bless you, a baby church, a baby bride, and we have allowed her to remain at the immature baseline entry spiritual milk of Jesus is my savior and we've never called them to grow up into Jesus is my Lord what's interesting is we don't see Jesus referred to as savior in the book of Revelation we see him referred to as Lord there's a maturity. You see what happens when we have raised a generation, two generations now, on simply this wide open spaces. Jesus has a bigger table. Jesus has a bigger door. Jesus, your Savior, saves you, saves you, saves them, saves everybody. Jesus trying to save everybody. And I agree with that. But when we leave it as Jesus is simply a Savior, we take what is a narrow gate and we make it wide, which is wrong. Because the narrow gate is what matures you into his lordship. Because if you are a Christian and Jesus cannot be your Lord, friend, I will tell you this. You might proclaim to be a Christian, but you are not a disciple. If Jesus is not Lord in every area, in every way, in every manner, if there's not everything available in your life for him to tell you no and yes in, you can call yourself a Christian all you'd like. You are not one of his disciples. That goes for me as much as it goes for you. And every other Christian in the bride of Christ today, I am telling you what happens when we say simply Jesus is our Savior and we try to get the seeker-friendly Christianity where we're trying to get everybody in and then we think all of a sudden we'll disciple uh, radically 5,000 people. What? Jesus had 12 and one of them still fell away, friends. You think you could just attract 5,000 people and then all of a sudden disciple them at Mass? No. You can't. But we've attempted to, by baiting the hook with Jesus as Savior, 
and then pulling the wools over their eyes when we finally expect them to grow up, but they've been nursing, coddled, bottled <laughs> by spiritual milk as Jesus is Savior, and they've never been forced to grow up into Jesus is Lord. And now we see Gen Z is reaping what we've sown. Gen Alpha is reaping what we've sown. Because for them, it's enough for Jesus to save them from their past, but they don't believe in Jesus enough for him to author their future. I wonder today, are we sick with the same symptoms some of us, do we believe Jesus is Savior more than we believe him as Lord? I believe your life and my life will witness to what we truly believe. What we believe gives way to what we will receive, friends. And I am telling you, if you are the kind of person who lives in a perpetual place of sin and needing to continually be bailed out and saved by Jesus, by your leaders, by your friends, by your family, by your loved ones, if that's you, friends, I came to tell you today, you may be a Christian, you may be born again, but you have not been born again and grown up into a disciple yet. There's a reason John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, not the follower whom Jesus loved. He was disciplined and discipled up into a place that Jesus wasn't just enough for his past, but he was Lord of his future. So many of us, we believe in an etch-a-sketch Jesus who's enough for your history, but he does not hold the pen to your destiny. And you know what's biblical because I just rhymed it. <laughs> Friends, when we just treat Jesus as Savior, we are telling him, here, I acknowledge you and I love you and trust you enough with my past, but I am still not entirely convinced, completely persuaded, and I am very uncertain about you as Lord of my future. And are you telling me that is a life that Jesus can burn upon? Sounds like the only thing he can burn upon is your heartache from your past life, but not the authority he longs for you to walk in in your future. You ever noticed? Have you ever noticed, friends, there is a direct correlation between the authority, the anointing, the power, and the oil of God on someone's life and their perpetual need to either live in freedom or live in bondage? Have you ever noticed that? You know the very loud guy or loud girl or whatever who has an answer for everything, who can tell you everything, who just spouts off about everything, yet their words have no oil? Their words have no authority? Their words have no power? They can speak mightily about the things of heaven, but they have no trust of those in heaven. They have no trust from heaven. Have you ever noticed that when somebody is living in perpetual sin and needing to be continually saved from their selves, they can sure talk a lot about heaven but what they talk about doesn't really move heaven. Their words are dry. 
They have no oil. Their words are loud, but they have no anointing. Yeah. I preach to anybody this morning. It's boisterous, but it holds no bang. This is what God is coming to kill in his bride right now. He is bringing us to a place where we are actually discipled again. Where we are actually his again. Where we look like Jesus and we sound like Jesus and we live like Jesus and we preach like Jesus. We think like Jesus. We have the motives of Jesus. Your motivations will tell you far more about yourself than you realize. But I believe the reason we are infatuated with things of God that aren't actually God himself, above God himself, is because in our hearts and in our minds and in our churches, in our kids' ministry, we have minimized Jesus down to simply being a savior while we look at the principalities and dark places and the antichrist spirit and the devil as dominators. Friends, the Antichrist might rule the world for a season, but Jesus rules and reigns above the universe forever. The Antichrist might lead the sinful and the blind, but Jesus is marrying a burning bride. Jesus has never lost a fight. He won't lose now. He won't lose against the Antichrist. In fact, he literally blows on him. We have it written down. He told us about it himself. I'm going to, and he's going to, and like that, he's gone. I want to be infatuated with the one whose mere breath destroys my greatest adversary. I want to fall deeper, madly in love, falling out of my tree, completely outside of myself and beside myself in love with Lord Jesus, who at the glimmer of his eye, at the mere breath due from his lips, the enemy dies. And he doesn't just like, and like, and try and hold on to life and grasp for air. No, no, no. It says he obliterates him in the book of Thessalonians. He blows and he goes. Done. And yet this is the one that we get so scared of when we read the book of Revelation. We look at tribulation and we go, we don't want to be around for that because he's big and he's bad. Friends, he might be big and he might be bad. And he's described as the second dragon. I understand that he might be big and he might be bad, but he is not as big and he is not as bad nor as good as our Jesus. As John Goodman likes to say, Jesus is a good God, but he's a bad, bad boy. <laughs> and you don't want to be on the other side of that Jesus. Amen. So let's move on from this pettiness because we're going to look at the Antichrist now. We're going to look 
at the Antichrist because the spirit of the Antichrist, friends, I don't know if you know this, it's been alive and active in the earth since the fall of man. The Antichrist spirit has been moving in the earth since sin first was tasted, since death first entered, since the garden back in Genesis, since the rebellion of the angels, the spirit of the Antichrist has been alive and well and moving in the earth and has been massaging things behind the scenes and pro, uh, prodding people into being ready to take on and receive the full mark of the beast when it is time. But Jesus, somebody say, but Jesus. This is why you and I have to share in the same revelation as him because when the Antichrist comes and he presents himself a savior, we will know the counterfeit from our Christ. You may talk like Jesus, you may sound like Jesus, you may come on a white horse like Jesus, but we know the one found worthy and you, sir, are not him. And so John, John is in the, he's in the third heavens right now. And he's up there and he is seeing all these visions take place and he's seeing it. And all of a sudden he sees a woman. I love this and we're going to get deep on this. Come on somebody, let's go. Who's ready for that? Mm, who's ready for a hank of meat this morning? Let's go. I am because I love this stuff. This is my favorite thing ever. He sees this vision and there's this woman and this woman, she is giving birth and she is groaning and she is in birthing pains and she is just reeling. I mean, I've not been in the room where a mother, you know, gave birth yet. I'm hoping to one day keep praying for Adrienne and I. I'll pass out before she does, guarantee it. <laughs> However, I am certain that there is nothing, and I mean nothing, that compares to childbirth. And what John is seeing and witnessing in this moment is probably one of the most harrowing, scary, just moves the depths of you at the same time you're grieved for them. You don't want to look away, but you got to look away, but you're going to keep looking anyway. Like it's a whole thing. And John sees this played out and there's a woman and she's giving birth to whom our Jesus is. And at the same time, he sees a dragon, a red dragon with seven heads. And on the seven heads, he has, set, he has ten horns. And then when the baby is born, the devil goes to make a move against said Jesus' baby. And Jesus is then brought into the third heavens, up next to God, on his throne, and the woman flees. Pause. Somebody say, Revelation. Revelation. Let's get some. I love this because the woman is not Mary. The woman's not Mary. The woman that this is being referenced to is literally the remnant Israel who has gone up, fought against, taken a mass beating, all to survive, to love God, to believe in the need for a Messiah, believe in the need for Jesus, believe in the need for the Lord to return to the earth and come and make a way for his chosen people. The woman is the remnant of Israel. The reason I say remnant is because most of Israel, if you've read the Old Testament, you would know most of Israel has lived most their lives with an on-again, off-again relationship with God. They love him when it's dry, and they hate him when it's wet. They want him in the desert, but they have no need for him when they're in the promised land. And they go back and forth, wishy-washy, wishy-washy. But all throughout the Old Testament, what you see is a mighty few. Somebody say, a mighty few. 
Somebody look at your neighbor and ask, are you the mighty few? Come on, this is a testimony of fire right here. We will be the mighty few. Somebody say, we will be. be. Somebody say, we will be. be. The mighty few. All throughout history, there was the mighty few in the Old Testament that still believes in God as he promised himself. Still believed in the covenant that he made with them. Still pursued him day and night, night and day. Let incense, praise, and worship arise. That is what the remnant of Israel did. And all along the way, the devil was moving behind the scenes, coming up against them, offering them things, tempting them into lies, loving them and romancing them away from the one true God and worshiping idols and golden calves. This was the devil working behind the scenes the whole time. Well, Pastor Matt, how do you know? Because literally, there is an ancient strategy of the devil that is found in his heads. It is called the seven ancient empires who have all moved against Israel. A little bit of world history, a little bit of Bible history. Same thing. And then upon his heads, you say, well, he has seven heads, he has ten horns. Yeah, I get that. Those ten horns are the ten nation federation that will then begin to move against Israel in these last days at behest and forging of the Antichrist. Is this too deep for y'all? I just want you to know just who we're dealing with. This has been what the devil's plan has been this whole time. Because why? Because he hates God's imago Dei. God's image in the earth. And God's first bride is now his harlot, Israel. But praise God. Somebody say praise God. Praise God, he is raising up a burning, beautiful bride called the church who will then turn its heart back towards Israel in these last of days, pray for her, pursue her, witness to her, minister to her like we did on Friday at the prayer meeting. If you weren't there, we set apart a whole hour to pray to God and intercede on behalf of Israel. Way to go, Grant. Our prayer room leaders are the bomb. And he had no idea this is where we were going. (laughs) That's how the Holy Spirit works. Holy Spirit told him something in order to prepare the way for this moment on Sunday. My message was done already written before Thursday got here. This is the Lord at work. But here is the devil who has been pursuing the remnant Israel, who has lived and labored for Jesus the Messiah who has gone through so much for Jesus the Lord to come into the earth. And in the same verse, we see we see Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost Sunday, all in one verse. <laughs> it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, the narrative shifts. And as the woman flees, as she goes into the wilderness, just as Egypt ran and went into, or the Israel went into the wilderness, All of a sudden, we see a great war take place in the heavens. And you got to know, it's what the Apostle Paul was trying to get across to both the church in Ephesus and the church in Corinth. He was trying to say, you don't understand. Satan is the Lord of the air. The Antichrist spirit is the Lord of the air. He is at work today. He is not in the third heavens, the fourth heavens, or the fifth heavens, but he rules in the second heavens. What is the second heavens? It's the air. It is this area between us and God and his heavens. This is where the enemy pulls the strings. These are where the principalities we pray against. That's where that goes down. Are you tracking with me? 
I'm trying to do quick homework for you. Because this is what we see. All of a sudden, we see the angel Michael still being a boss. And he is kicking the ever-living out of the devil and his angels. What are his angels? His, de his demons, his, his principalities, the demonic beings that we war against. Friends, God has angels. Lucifer was an angel. Lucifer hates God, wants to be God, can't be God, causes a mass rebellion in Genesis, right? We remember this? And just like this scripture says, takes one third of the stars of heaven, what he's referencing is the angels of heaven that we see back in Genesis, which are then the demonic. And then all of their offsprings and Nephilims and the whole nine yards and just stay away from the book of Enoch and, and just major in the majors and minor in the minors, okay? You're good. Pastor Matt, I really love the book of Enoch. I get it. I hope you're mature enough to read it. Do you love your neighbor well? Do you pray for your coworkers? Have you seen legs grow out on a daily basis? What, what are, are you tithing faithfully? Do you attend church regularly? And I mean like faithfully every Sunday? You can mark all those things off. Then I totally will affirm that you should read the book of Enoch. But there's a reason it's not in the Bible. There's a reason it's extra biblical. There's a reason that he has a limited role in the word that is uh, inspired and infallible word of God. And so while it might be beneficial to have extra biblical stuff and cool things, Major in the majors, minor in the minors. Amen? Amen? Cool. Moving on. So we see Michael being a boss. And Michael is warring against Satan. And he's fighting him. And he is fighting him and his angels with heaven's angels. And all of a sudden we see, we don't see who strikes him down. We see that he is struck down, which is amazing. All of a sudden, the enemy, he gets struck down so hard and so fast that he has to wake up and realize, I'm not in heaven anymore. <laughs> That's amazing. I've been in a lot of fights. And I've been knocked out plenty of times. None of them where I woke up going, where am I? <laughs> That's amazing. But what this is, this is why you got to know your Bible. Somebody say, eat the whole of the scroll. We're bringing it back, baby. You thought that was just last week? No, that's forever. Eat the whole of the scroll. Eat the whole of the scroll and then prophesy the whole of the scroll. Why is that essential? Because Jesus has been since there's been anything to be. Pastor Matt, run that by me one more time. He's existed forever. In the beginning was God, and the Spirit of God dwelt and hovered among the earth, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we see the Word becomes flesh, which is Jesus. Amen. He's been around since the jump. Jesus isn't God's plan B, plan C, plan Z. He has always been God's plan. So we say God's plan. God's plan. And so Jesus has been around from the beginning. And that's important for us to know because what happens in this moment that John sees actually has already happened once in Scripture. Somebody say where? Daniel 10. You see, what John gets a peek into in this moment is actually a vision and revelation that Daniel received from God in Daniel 10 by praying, fasting, and interceding against the powers of darkness. It's literally the same one. He receives the same vision of Jesus with the white hair, with the uh, bronze feet, with the fire in his eyes, the whole nine yards. Daniel gets that way in the Old Testament and then following that off the backside of 24 days of praying, fasting, and interceding against principalities and dark places, he sees this very moment take place. 
Pastor Matt, what's the point? The point is, I believe right now, what the Lord is doing prophetically in his church, you and me, I told you, we're going to deep waters today. Deep cries out to deep. Somebody say it. Deep cries out to deep. There we go. Deep cries out to deep. Right now, the Lord is raising a Daniel bride in the earth. A bride that is like Daniel that will begin. We're all going to spend all summer in this. We got one more message after this in the book of Revelation. But then all summer after that, we are in intercession, baby. It's going to be awesome. Prayer life is going to be very important. Somebody say super necessary. necessary. Thank you for helping me preach today. Super necessary. It's going to be amazing. But right now, prophetically, this is what God is doing. I believe it more than anything. He is raising up a Daniel generation in the earth again. And I believe Gen Z is going to play a massive part in this because they truly want to move the heart of God. They don't necessarily uh, desire to go after all the things of God that come along with this. They just want him. It's pure. It's innocent. And they're pursuing him like none other. Right now, I would say that I've seen Gen Z be far more faithful than my generation in being a part of the community, of pursuing, of reading their Bible, of asking questions, of being hungry. I am telling you, there is an uprising of a Daniel spirit in the bride. I believe God is calling us not to a corporate Daniel fast, but to be a corporate Daniel bride. I believe right now he is raising up a church in the earth, you and me, that are going to fall in love. Somebody say fall in love. love. They're going to fall in love with praying. They're going to fall in love with fasting. They're going to fall in love with 24-hour fast, 72-hour fast, 24-day fast. 40-day fast. They're going to fall in love with going without in the natural so they can gain in the supernatural. Amen. And then in the midst of that, they are going to be like Daniel in Daniel 10, praying and interceding, warring in the heavens against our principalities and enemies in dark places. See, so often people come to church and go, Pastor, when are we going to do this stuff? When are we going to see this stuff? When are all the things going to happen? We've heard this throughout church history. People come to church going, I've heard the crazy things in the Bible. Now, where is it at? This is where it's at. I appreciate anybody this morning. I am telling you, he is raising up a bride in the earth in this hour right now. You want the testimony of fire to be on your life? The testimony of fire is going to be that you fell in love with victories you only saw in the spirit today that will be felt in the natural tomorrow. I preach to anybody this morning. Your testimony of fire is that you fell in love with victory in the unseen realm that plays out eventually in the seen realm. I am telling you, friends, there are so many of us today that we don't possess the victory we want to possess. We aren't seeing the moves of God we want to see, that we want to see. We are going without in the supernatural Because we have not, I am telling you lovingly today, we have not prioritized warring in the supernatural as much as we have warring, abstaining, trying, convincing, pleading, striving that we have in the natural. I am telling you, friends, there are victories in your life that you will walk in and that your kids will walk in, your grandkids will walk in, and generations until Jesus comes back will walk in because you warred in the Spirit for it. You see, Daniel's prayers, Daniel's intercession, Daniel's fasting in Daniel 10 is what led Michael to be able to strike down the devil. And then John gets a peek into the same moment. 
What does that mean? That means you are far more powerful than you know that you are. Problem is, you will only be as powerful as you are power-filled. You will only be as powerful as you are power-filled. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? As you know it's, you know it's good because it's an alliteration. It must be biblical. You are only as powerful as you are power-filled. Pastor Matt, what does that mean? That means that we are going to fall in love with praying and fasting and interceding and warring in the Spirit. I'm telling you, friends, Pastor, I don't know what my, I don't know what my ministry is. If you don't know what your ministry is, this is where you begin intercession. You start interceding when no one's looking. You start praying against things in the spirit when no one's around to hear you but the good Lord himself. You get close to the ear of Jesus and watch how things begin to play out in the natural as you obtain victory in the supernatural. Appreciate anybody this morning. I am telling you, I am telling you, friends, the ministry of intercession, the ministry of prayer, and the ministry of fasting is about to be put on full display, and it will lead to a testimony of fire in the earth of overcoming. So many of us, we don't overcome in the natural because we've not even attempted to war in the supernatural. You want to see prayers answered that you are not praying. You want to see moves of God that you are not fasting for. You want to see chains broken off a region that you have not stopped and interceded for. It's easy to highlight the problem of Pride Month. How many of us are going to be in our prayer closets, hungry as can be, and interceding and throwing up wild Holy Spirit hand grenades into the third heavens until Michael breaks it loose? I'm telling you, there is breakthrough for our region, for our city, for our friends, for our family, for your life, and for generations to come. But you and I, we have got to be committed to not just living before Christ, but living in Christ. And when we pray, we don't throw up weak, impotent, subtle, unsure, kind of maybe sort of, if it's your will, kind of prayers. No, we lob with everything we have, Holy Spirit hand grenades into the third heavens. And we say, Lord, break it open. Break it open. Breakthrough, deliver our city from pride festivals. Deliver the church from herself. Deliver the church from celebrity. Deliver me from notoriety and fame and money and all the things that I pursue. Make me an honorable man before you and I will live as an honorable man before men. Yes. I appreciate anybody this morning. We have got to fall in love with the lordship of Jesus yet again. And I am telling you, when you fall in love with his lordship, you will throw up the craziest, most obnoxious, radical prayers you've ever prayed in your life because you realize and you've got a revelation that he is actually emphatically entirely lord he controls exports he controls imports he signs off on everything and when you recognize him as such in your lives friends i'm telling you you will possess a testimony of fire friends what happens next i want to stay on that forever i want to stay on that forever. I'm telling you, intercession is so near to the heart of God because every great prophet of old, 
every great prophet, including John the Baptist, who Jesus himself said is the greatest prophet to ever live, didn't do any miracles that we know of or is recorded or we saw, but you know what he did do? He interceded and prayed in the wilderness. Every prophet, every great ministry before Jesus and even after Jesus is found being birthed and being refined in the hidden place, in the quiet place, in the secret place, in intercession with fasting and praying. It's going to be huge. There's going to be a Daniel movement that we've never seen before. We're all going to be hungry, but we're going to hunger for the Lord all the more. I'm appreciating anybody this morning. And that's going to give way to this. You see, John, he goes, I'll, I'll make this lickety split. John, he goes, I've seen the majesty and the power of Jesus. It comes and he is Lord. And there's an accuser. And the accuser stands before God, accusing the brethren day and night. But Jesus has overcome him. Jesus has cast him down. Jesus has won. What I think is incredible, friends, real quick that we have an enemy who stands before God and makes accusations against you and me day and night, night and day. Yet, however, somebody say, however, however. the blood of Jesus poured out on the mercy seat for you and me still preaches a better word. The blood of Jesus still preaches a better word. The enemy can stand before God as long as he likes, day and night, in perpetuity for eternity, if he sees fit to do so. And still, somebody say, and still. And still, the reigning, undefeated, undefeated, undisputed blood of Jesus is enough. That's incredible. That should light you up because here's the deal. The first testimony of fire that we see in this moment outside of intercession and prophecy and all these things, the first one we see is the testimony of the blood. The testimony of the blood says they overcome him. They overcome him, you and me, not just Jesus, you and me. We have overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And none of us loved our lives even unto death. This is an incredible statement made by John. He hears this in heaven and he records it. Because friends, the early church understood something that you and I, we need to get on the inside of us now, yesterday. We should have been believing this for the last 200 years in this country. Friends, I am telling you, you are part of a 5,000-year story between God and his Imago Dei, his image and likeness in the earth. And I am telling you, we look more like mankind, the mankind, than we do how we were intended to, the God kind. What restores us back to not just mankind, but the God kind is the blood of Jesus. The early church understood this. They seen the book of Revelation. They were given this by John from the island of Padmos where he was banished. And they get this revelation on the inside of them truly of what it looks like to be blood bought, blood purchased. You see, for the early church, they had the revelation of Jesus where if sin came, if temptation came, if disease came, if sickness came, if all of these things began to move against them, they would just sit back and they'd look at their hands and they'd see themselves as Jesus sees them painted in red. And when temptation come, they could look at their hands and go, no, 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 this shade of red, it doesn't move to steal, kill, and destroy like sin does. No, 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 this shade of red, means I am worth a lot more than what these actions I'm tempted to do will cost me. No, no, this shade of red, no, this shade of red made me right with God. 
I don't want to move outside of my shading. I don't want to move outside of my new skin pigment. I don't want to move outside of the fact that I have been bled over, bled for, bled out for, been purchased with the greatest price ever. The sheer fact that John says they overcome by the blood of the lamb speaks to the fact that blood was needed. A sacrifice was needed. And if a sacrifice was needed, that means there was sin. And if there was sin, there was separation. If there was separation, there was death. And if there was death, there was disobedience. Friends, all the way back to the beginning. Somebody say, eat the whole of the scroll. Eat the whole of the scroll. He's been there this entire time. He's been needed this entire time. And a faithful few have interceded and remained faithful this entire time. And I'm believing he is raising up again a bride in the earth before it was the remnant of Israel. John the Baptist who prepared the way for the Lord to come the first time. Now it will be the remnant of his bride that prepares the way for the Lord to return the second time. I'm preaching anybody this morning. But we will never be the faithful remnant bride in the earth if we do not understand and live from, be rooted in completely that we have been covered by the blood. We have been covered by the blood. Friends, you live in red. God's word is black and white and his children are redheads. Welcome to the family. It's good to be here. I really want to make a sunburnt joke, and I'm not going to, because, you know, double entendres. But hear me today. Some of us, we have been overcome by the enemy in this season of life, and maybe in a lot of seasons of your life. But that's easy to be overcome by the enemy when you fail to live rooted in the revelation that you have been bought and covered by the blood of lamb. See, if he stands there to make accusations against you in the courts of our God, the blood that covers you says you get to remain in the courts of your God. Are you hearing me? The blood of the lamb is the evidence that testifies before God that you're holy, that you're pure, that you're set apart, that you're his, that you've been redeemed and you're resurrected. And I preach to anybody this morning, Satan will stand before God, lobbying against you, accusing you of a great many things. And yet, somebody say, and yet, and yet, you will get to remain in the courts of your God because the evidence poured out upon you testifies to the greatness of the blood of Christ that it is able to stand up against every scrutiny and accusation that is thrown against you by the enemy. This is the best news. You are red. And that's how the early church is able to overcome. That's how our church will be able to overcome. And that is how the church of the end times will be able to overcome. And if you are not overcoming, I think it comes down to your lack of possession of the testimony of fire. Because that blood is still more than enough. Worship team, you can make your way up here. The second thing in this moment that we see is, it's incredible. He says, by the word of their testimony, 
They overcome by the blood of the Lamb. So the testimony of Jesus is what? Spirit of prophecy. Testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. What is that? Revelation 19, spirit of Jesus. Testimony of Jesus, spirit of prophecy. What does that mean? It speaks to you overcoming. It speaks to victory. It speaks to it being enough for you to live sinless, holy lives before God. He is first Lord, which means he emphatically rules your life, and he is also secondary Savior. So in the event of you do mess up, you do sin, you do fall short again of the glory of God, he is able to save you, set you back in right high places, and then continue to Lord over your life. I am telling you, the word of your testimony will never be in greater need than it will in the days ahead. Friends, I'm telling you today, the word of your testimony, it's not just how you got saved, although that's important. I'm telling you, when you come against accusations of the enemy, when sickness comes to your home, when cancer comes, disease comes, when temptation comes, when pornography comes knocking, when the girl comes around, when the guy comes around, when your love tank is getting filled by somebody at work who's not your husband or not your spouse, when temptation comes and the devil makes inroads on your life, how will you overcome him? If you find yourself believing the lie that the blood is not enough, do you have a testimony you can run back to and say, he did it once, he'll do it again. He gave me a path to victory once out of pornography, he'll give me a path of victory again. Your word of your testimony will set fire to your sin, will set fire to your temptation, and will set fire to your enemy, and it will blaze for you a trail unto victory. But you gotta have one in mind. See, what's interesting, friends, is that so often we're caught up in sin and we don't tell anybody about it. We're caught up in secret sin, held captive behind closed doors, and we can't even come up with the time that God delivered us, even though I know we all possess them. And maybe today you're saying, well, Pastor Matt, I've never had language put like this to this. I've never thought about the times he's delivered me as a testimony. I'm telling you, a testimony is the evidence. It testifies that it's able to stand up, that you have been delivered, you have been set free, that not only is it possible for you to live and walk out freedom, it's God's heart for you to do so because you've seen him do it before. He'll do it again. Would you guys stand? I'm telling you, in this hour, the testimony of the bride is going to be needed because here's the deal. It is not simply your testimony alone that will get you to overcome. It's the testimony of the entire church. Well, God, if you did it in the old, you can do it today. If you did it in the, the days of old, you can do it today. God, if you healed a woman of cervical cancer while Takeover Church was in the basement of the community center in the middle of a pandemic in 2020, God, you can heal me. You can heal them. You can heal my mother-in-law. You can heal my father. You can heal. You can heal. You can heal. Why? Because I have a testimony that stands up under scrutiny and accusation of the devil that says Jesus the healer so you may not possess your own testimony yet but there's a testimony in the body there's a testimony in the bride there's a testimony in the burning people today that is for you and available to you to overcome 
It says they overcame him by the word of their testimony. That speaks to their as in ours, as in the church. If God's done it once, he is capable, willing, and able to do it again. Will you intercede? Will you testify? Will you eat of the whole scroll? And will you prophesy the whole scroll? He is either able or he's not. And friends, I'm telling you, he is. This is the testimony of fire. This is the testimony of fire. The testimony of fire will be lived out, will be left behind, will be a legacy in the earth long after you're gone. Because of what John says next, and this is where we'll land. John says next, he says, they overcome by the blood of the lamb the word of their testimony, and they do not love their lives unto death. Well, Pastor Matt, what does that mean? It's old language. We don't really talk like that nowadays. It means they love Jesus unto the point of death. They did not love themselves unto the point of death. That means there's coming a time where the Antichrist, the second dragon that we see in Revelation, is loose. He's on full display. He's turning nations and nations, and he's bringing about a false unity in the earth under one banner. Many colors, kind of like a rainbow. And it will look like Christ is doing it, and it will look like God's in it, but it will be completely opposed to the real living Christ in the earth. But out of this unity and this false government that he'll bring together this new world that he'll forge you'll be forced to accept his receive his mark but the true testimony of fire for the bride for the Christian won't be found in cowardice in convenience in the counterfeit it'll be found in the courageous testimony of fire that says do your worst you won't trade with me you won't sell to me you won't allow me to buy from you here's my life you can have it I love Jesus unto death that's a testimony of fire they love Jesus unto death. They didn't love themselves unto death. They didn't give way to cowardness. They didn't give way to convenience. They didn't tuck their tail and hide when it became convenient to do so. No, they stood and they lived and they ate the whole scroll and they prophesied the whole scroll and they interceded on behalf of the heavens. And they moved against the principalities and dark places and like Daniel and like John, they saw darkness struck down again the mark will say in order to eat at our table you got to love this accept this affirm that take this go here don't preach this don't read this don't go to this church don't go to this place you want to be accepted at our table you want the food and the manna of the earth here and now you want to be able to get along and go along? You take this mark, you receive this mark, and you swear your allegiance to the Antichrist over your allegiance to the living Christ. 
And to that I say, take over church. The testimony of fire for you and me is that we will overcome them by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and the fact that our God prepares a table for us in the midst of our enemies, aka the big old nice table you're trying to get me to come and sit at. Well, pastor, well, Christian, if you like your tax exemption, you'll take this mark and you'll receive it. Well, my Jesus tells me to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God's what is God's. So I'll render to God my allegiance. I'll pay your taxes. Take my money because I love Jesus unto death. I don't love my life unto death and I certainly don't love money unto death. Take it. Here's my life, Lord. You can have it. So right now, we're going to go into a song and truth be told, I don't know which one we're going with. But we're going to sing and we're going to make a joyful noise to the one found worthy. And we are going to pray in this moment for a depth of revelation that we've not yet received as we round out this season in church of going through the book of Revelation together, these last lessons of Jesus. As we round this out in the next couple of weeks, we are going to ask for a greater awareness, a deeper revelation of whom this Jesus truly is that is worthy of every part of our lives, even unto death. And I'm telling you this, church, you will not only possess and live a testimony of fire, of power, of the depths and mysteries of God, but when you ask Jesus from this place, I want to know you more so I can follow you more closely so I can see you rightly, respond to you correctly, and worship you perfectly? If that's the cry of your depths, deep cries out to deep, Jesus will meet you in that most intimate and raw place. And He will do just that. He will reveal Himself to you. So I'm going to pray altars open feel free to come forward worship team's gonna sing and we're gonna begin to ask God and petition heaven for a depth of revelation of him that we have yet to receive father God make your way forward if you feel called and led and even if you don't even if you just know that here at takeover church something happens at the altar every week and you just want to move in obedience to not miss out begin to move don't wait for me move with God move with God move with God Holy Spirit we love you Holy Spirit, we know that you are the great revealer of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I ask right now that you would open the eyes of our heart. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. We want to see you rightly so we can respond to you correctly, so we can worship and live for you perfectly. We are asking. We want the depths of God and the breadth of God. We want to see it revealed in this hour, Lord. I pray for a hunger and thirst right now to fall in this room, Lord, for praying. A hunger and thirst in this room would fall for fasting. That right now, Lord, we would be stricken. We would be stricken to our depths, cut to the quick, God, for intercession. 
that we would begin to live a life. This summer would be marked by our prayer room. This summer would be marked by love for God. This summer would be marked by the memories we made, the places we saw, the people we met, and the things we did. But no, it would be marked by the one we worshiped, the one we prayed to, the one we fasted and lived for, the one that we interceded to on behalf of our region. This summer would be marked by fire, God. I pray for a testimony of our lives, God, that we would love Jesus unto the point of death, Lord. Give us this conviction. Give us this revelation. God, if we have a seed of doubt in us right now in this moment, then maybe you're not worth it. I ask you, Lord, open the eyes of our heart to see just how worthy you are. In Jesus' my name, Holy Spirit, come, worship team, sing, church, respond, and Christ be glorified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen.